You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Last week, we followed up in Philippians. Uh, John had been in Philippians with us the week before. How many of you caught John bringing Philippians to the community two weeks ago? Just so good. So, so good. Um, And we're still spending some time in Philippians, uh, just following up from that. What I wanted us to look at today is probably one of the most famous verses in Scripture, and it's in Philippians. Anybody, anybody have any guess what it might be? Okay, I'll, t- I'll just tell you. There you go. Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things, let's say it together if you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? Like we, we see this verse a lot. Uh, there's great reason that it is so well known, so famous. It's extremely encouraging to be able to say out of your mouth, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Would you agree? And I wanted us today to just take a look, though, at the context that this scripture springs out of. It's not just a standalone statement. It's got all this leading up to it, and there's actually quite a bit we could read before it, but we're going we're gonna to focus in on just a more specific portion, but we're going to start in verse 4 of chapter 4 in Philippians, okay? So I'm going to read it out to you, and then we'll go, go from there. Paul says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's good, guys. It's good. There's so much there. There's so much we could have read before it as well that, that, that it builds on, but we're going to focus in, like I said, here. I want us to catch, first of all, though, that when he says, I can do all things, he's talking about an ability to flourish in any season, in any situation. It's less focused on I can accomplish this, that, or, you know, this or that goal. It's more about this posture of flourishing in any situation. He's talking about I can be in want or I can have plenty. I can have little or I can have a lot. And in any of those contexts, I've learned to be content. He says I've learned the secret of it. 
And, and I felt like as we were singing this morning these songs that Kelly and the team chose for us, I was so struck with, man, it feels like they, they handcrafted this set for this message. Because there's so much about it that like in any season, right? In any season, in any situation, God is what? He's faithful. He's good. Right? No matter what the season, no matter what the situation, God is still God. He is who he is. He's still good. He's still faithful. He still loves you. And that truth has the power to cause you to be strong and you to flourish in any season. That's good news, guys. That's really good news. And I feel like these verses that precede it that we read, Paul's kind of giving these instructions of, of, of how to do this. Like in verses before this, he says, hey, follow my example and follow the example of those who live like I live. And he says, in this way, stand firm in the Lord. And then he goes on with these statements. Rejoice, right? Instruction number one, rejoice. Well, rejoice how? In the Lord. Not just this, this anything. It's anchored in who the Lord is. When? Always. Oh, man. And then he says this. He, he talks about, like, how to overcome anxiety. He says, Make your requests, right? Pray, bring your petition, bring your list, your list, bring your needs, bring your prayers before God with thanksgiving. There's this amazing instruction that we can actually come to God with our need, and as we ask for it, we also thank him for the very thing we're asking for. It's this really powerful way to pray. And that's what we were, we were singing that in Great is Thy Faithfulness, you know? All I have need of, my God has provided. There's this abundance of provision in him. And I want to just say, like, Paul didn't write that in, in a void. It's understandable if you're feeling anxious. It's understandable if you experience anxiety at times. But he's saying there's a way to actually bring that. You don't have to go, oh, I'm feeling anxious. I'm such a weak, immature believer. You bring it to the Lord. You actually, instead of letting that, that loop just go around and around in your head, actually verbalize the very thing that you're burdened with to him. Bring your request, your need before him. The one I really want us to hone in on, that's just really quickly going over some of what we read there, is in verse 8, and I'm going to read it again. This is really the central thing I want us to focus on today. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And you know, there's something implied in that instruction. You can choose what you're going to think about. You actually have a capacity to, to make a conscious, intentional choice of what you're going to think about. Now, anybody ever feel like that is not the case? Come on. I, I know I do. There, there's, this, there's this whole thing in psychology they call, um, I think it's called intrusive thoughts. And, it's, and, and <clears throat> I just call them demons probably or something. But, you know, it's like there's, there's, a, there's a spiritual reality that there are thoughts that just fly into your head sometimes that you do not want. That you don't want there. It's reality. It doesn't always feel like I can choose 
what I'm going to think about. There's a reality that there's a spiritual battle going on for your mind, for your heart, for your attention that we live in. And it feels sometimes like, like thoughts that are not going to produce life, that are not going to encourage, that are not going to strengthen, they are like assailing you. They are attacking you. Do you know what I'm talking about? And this, this, I started being reminded of this truth recently. I felt like I was in a place where I was just getting my, my butt kicked mentally by the devil about who I am, about purpose, about all sorts of stuff, right? And I'm sure everybody here can relate to that at times. I just felt the Lord drawing me to this scripture, pre-John bringing it to us. It just fit that in season. And, and there's this powerful thing. It's like, okay, what am I going to think on? What am I going to dwell on? I have this power to choose what I will think about. And that in itself is an amazing thing. I remember having a teacher when we were in school ministry, Danny Silk. Some of you probably have heard his name before or know of him. And he would say to us this. He always stressed to us the power we have to make choices. And I remember him saying to us, like, even if somebody comes and puts a gun to your head, and tells you to do this, that, or the other thing, you have a choice. That power to choose can never be taken from you. And there was a psychologist in Austria named Viktor Frankl. Anybody ever heard of Viktor Frankl? He wrote a really well-known book called Man's Search for Meaning. And Viktor Frankl was um, put in concentration camps when the Nazis were, 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 were wreaking havoc on Europe. Viktor Frankl had the majority of his family die in those concentration camps. And Viktor Frankl wrote these words. These are some, like many others he wrote, but Elijah, you can put it up there. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. This is written by a man who was in a very horrible circumstance. We talk about the ability to flourish in any season, in any situation. He was in Auschwitz, you know, the most notorious of the concentration camps in World War II. And from this place learned this lesson that no matter what they took from him, whatever freedoms, his family, all of it, that he still had a choice. He, he, he learned this deep lesson that he had a choice of what his attitude would be in the midst of that situation. It's profound when you think about the context where this was learned. And in many ways, this is what Paul's inviting us into when he is saying, in any situation, whether I have a little, whether I have a lot, I have learned to be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's something powerful there. It's not, he's not just saying, I can do all things. He's not saying it's just me, I got it. It's, it's anchored in who Christ is and what Christ has done. He's more than enough. And in many ways, when you hear Paul saying, you know, think on these things, and he creates this list, right? He's really saying, be more mindful about what you think about. Be more intentional. Again, in psychology, there's a term for this. It's called cognitive behavioral therapy. And essentially, it's a, it's a practice that's been developed, which the cognitive behavioral therapy is about being more cognitive, more conscious of what you're actually thinking about. And, and through this treatment, you can actually rewire how you think. 
we create thought patterns in our mind through what we dwell upon. Another, another term that uses psychology is neural pathways. You ever hear of neural pathways? And we actually, through what we dwell upon and think upon regularly, create these pathways that get well-traveled and commonly traveled in our mind, so to speak. And we can actually choose. You know, I often would hear preachers back in the day talk about our thoughts and the spiritual battle that goes on for them being like radio stations that you can choose which one you'll tune into. Well, now we have a better illustration. It's YouTube, Facebook, social media. Because, see, see when, you're on, when you're on these sites, what do you do? You're on YouTube, and you choose what video you're going to click on, correct? You make a choice what video you're going to click on, what, what channel you're going to subscribe to. And every single time you do it, what's, what's happening? We know, right? It's developing an algorithm. It's, it's, it's paying attention. Even, like, even when you don't click, it pays attention. The system pays attention for how long you pause at a certain point. And, and a video comes up on your feed and you pause before you scroll to the next one. It's creating this database about what you're interested in, and it will continue to feed you more and more and more of that content to keep you gripped, right? To keep you in there. And we actually, through what we click on, through what we pause on, all that stuff, we are determining more of what's going to be put in front of us. It's very much the way it works with our minds. So what algorithm are you creating? What algorithm are you creating metaphorically and digitally like what you're creating with your actual devices matters for what's going to happen up here. But, but metaphorically, what algorithm are we creating? It really does matter. Because, see, what's going on up in here inside of your mind, it's sort of like the soundtrack to life. Like whatever situation you're in, whatever's going on up here is kind of the music in the background that's playing. And, you know, like if, if, if you change the music in a movie it radically changes the feeling. You can go, I've, I've watched videos on this where they give you like the exact same scene repeatedly with different music, and it's profound. You can, you can have the exact same visual, and one music makes it this like foreboding, eerie, there's something horrible about to happen, and the next music makes it feel like, man, this guy's having the best day he's ever had in his life, you know, and, and the next one makes you think he's some hero about to do something amazing, and there's just all these different, you know, messages that come through through the exact same visual experience with different music. And the thought pattern in your mind is the soundtrack to life. I really, like, you can be in whatever situation. It might be the exact same as somebody else, but how you're thinking about it, how you're perceiving it, is radically going to affect how you experience it and how you show up in that scene of life, if you want to put it that way. You know, we were talking last week about how, how Paul said earlier in Philippians that when we behave a certain way, we shine like stars in the sky, right? And I was stressing last week that, that the thing that shines like stars is our behavior, not just our beliefs. But what I'd say to you from what we're looking at today is that your behavior will flow from your beliefs. Like, ultimately, what you do with your life is a manifestation of what you believe and what you're thinking about. And that's why Scripture stresses again and again this idea of having our minds renewed. Paul says, think on these things, right? 
What we do is so much a fruit of what we're thinking about. I remember back in my days of lots of skateboarding and snowboarding. And, and I would be sitting there, you know, above some jump or something, anyways, wanting to accomplish something. And I learned this practice. I had to be able to see it. I had to be able to see it before I could do it. And if you're sitting up there, you know, at the top of this big drop and about to hit a jump, and all I can see is myself trying this trick and flailing and crashing and whatever, I know I'm not ready. It's not time yet. You know, you, you got to be able to, this athletes do this. You have to be able to visualize it, see it. And I'm not just saying that you can visualize whatever and get, you know, anything you want out of the universe by just think about it enough. I'm not, it's not, not the point, okay? But the point is, is, is that, what you got going on up here really matters to how you experience life. So what does Paul encourage us to think about? Just go through it quick again, the list here. Whatever is true, noble, right, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. It's a good list. Is that not a good filter to just kind of have up for how you approach life and what you think about? I think so. But I find it no small thing that the very first word at the top of the list is true. Whatever is true. In other words, he's not just talking about, you know, I know this gets bad rap, we'll go into a bit, but like, it's not just the power of positive thinking. Sometimes when you read this cognitive behavioral therapy stuff, it's pretty cheesy, the options they give you. They'll say, you might be thinking this thought. Well, just flip it to this. And it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know about that. It... It feels a little weak, but, but, but in the same way, it's like, yes, we are talking about positive thinking. The gospel is very positive. It's very, very good news. But what I want us to catch is the only thoughts that are really going to have power are the ones you believe to be true. Like, you're not going to be in some situation like, well, let's just, pretend, let's just replace it with thoughts of butterflies, you know, and, like, and that's going to have some power over you. You actually really have to anchor into something you believe to be true, which is why faith in the gospel is so important and so powerful. Because it's not a call to deny reality or pretend. I mean, if I'm walking down the sidewalk and I step in dog crap, it's... It's not going well. It's not a good thing. I don't, I don't have to be like, ah, it's no big deal. You know, like that's, that's I know, a weak illustration, but whatever is going on in life, it's, it's like, no, he's not saying just pretend it's not okay, like that everything's fine. And we live in a time where there's, there's such a, a stress and an emphasis on being real, right? Do you agree with that? In this age of authenticity, though, there is sometimes, I feel like, a, a ditch we can get stuck in. In other words, we, we do believe here, for sure, that it is important that if you're experiencing negative emotion or going through something difficult, it is important to express it, to not stuff it, bring it before friends, put it out in the light, bring it in the open, share it with the Lord, all that stuff, okay? We should acknowledge the pain that we live in. We shouldn't live in denial. But don't let acknowledgement, acknowledgement of pain require denial of glorious realities. Because there, there is this place that we can live in with the gospel 
more than any other thing. Nothing resources us better for this than the gospel. Where we can acknowledge that we're hurting. We can acknowledge that we feel ashamed. We can acknowledge whatever it is we need to acknowledge that is not going well in life. But when we hold it up next to the glorious reality and truth of the gospel, no matter what that thing is, if we're seeing it rightly, it cannot eclipse the beauty of the gospel. So it starts with what is truth. The gospel of Jesus really does resource you better than any other thing because, guys, there's no other story or illustration in human history that more powerfully displays how God brings great good out of great evil. Murdering Jesus was evil. Murdering Jesus was more evil than any other murder that ever was known. He's perfect. He's done so much good. The Son of God, the greatest value in the universe, God himself embodied in human flesh, put to death, innocent, totally evil. And yet the greatest good God has ever done, redemption and restoration, mercy extended us through his death for our sins the greatest good God has ever done through that great evil. Because what that means is that no matter what situation you find yourself in, there's hope. There's hope for a gloriously good future. There's good things that God's still working out. So no matter where you find yourself, whether it's things done to you or things that you have done. There's good that God is working through it, bringing out through it. We can rejoice in it. We can pray from our place of need with thanksgiving, with that knowledge. You can be in any situation and still fix your mind on what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is admirable, what is excellent and praiseworthy. Because there's always something excellent and praiseworthy and beautiful and true to anchor to. It's not just pie in the sky, you know, fairy tale. There's a reality that Jesus was crucified and he rose from the dead and it speaks into human history, into our existence, a hope of restoration. So the question I just wanted to, you know, pose to us today is what are you going to dwell on? What algorithm do you want? What soundtrack do you want for your life? And my encouragement to you is it can be rewritten. Like if you don't like what, what your YouTube or your social media feed is, is giving you, you know that there's a little button you can just say, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, and it, and it gets rid of it. And it starts feeding you new stuff. And in the same way, in this mind, in this life, you can just go, you know, I don't like that. Jesus. And it's a process. And I just think to myself, man, what might happen if we thought more of his thoughts? What might happen if when you look in the mirror, when you think about yourself, you start to think more of the thoughts he's thinking about you? Or when you look out at our city and the stuff happening in our city, what if we thought more about what our city would look like when heaven comes to earth 
than what's happening right in front of us. What might happen if we thought his thoughts more? So I want to just take you guys through a, a practice that works really well for me. I just developed this little list that we're going to go through. Um, those few weeks ago that I mentioned that I felt like I was getting my butt kicked by uh, thoughts that weren't from the Lord about me. And, um, and we're just going to practice it together. So we're going to put some slides up on the screen. We're going to read them together. And I want you to, you know, you're not forced to. You don't, we're not like, you know, intensely cultish here and you must do this. Uh, it, but, but at the end of the day, if you look up there and you like that truth and think that it's true and, and want to wanna connect with it, let's do this together. So I'm going to come down. And these are going to be truths that you can speak over yourself. His thoughts about you. So why don't we stand? Let's stand together. And are they in there, Elijah? Do we have them? We're good to go? Okay. Here we go. I was formed in my mother's womb on purpose, not by accident. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God is working all things together for my good. With God for me, in any circumstance, I am more than a conqueror. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those are not good truths. You guys can grab a seat. That's just an example. Those are just like picking out like a handful of scriptural truths. It's not all of it word for word, but it's personalizing it. You speak that out and there's something that happens in you. And all of that, guys, it's, it's rooted in. The reality that, 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 he's, that he's given to us. So the big thing I want you to you catch when you, know, when you look at the cross, when you look at the, the pain of it, the suffering of it, and yet the glory that came of it. When you put yourself in these situations and you, and you find these negative thought patterns and this stuff going on in your heart and in your mind. And I want to say to you that the invitation from Paul here and that I'm wanting to extend to you is not an invitation to faking it. It's an invitation to exercise the power and the resource that God's given us. To use what we've been given. So we're going to receive communion. Today is the day that we receive communion as Life Tree family. And as we come and we receive this, this blood and the body, want us to realize the power of what the cross speaks to us. That no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, God's bringing glory through. He's bringing good. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.